Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Good morning, everybody. Mike Murphy here, Fred Hubner there, and you, well... Wherever you are, busy day. Fred, you ready for a busy day? It was well, yeah. After last night, one of the weirdest Fridays where there was no no uh, Bulls, no Blackhawks, yeah. not much going on. So I was watching Amazon Prime, watching Jack Ryan season two, and then I said, okay, well, I guess I'll just go to sleep. There's no more sports on. Plenty next week. I was looking Bulls Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Blackhawks yep. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah, they both play tonight yes. too. Yes, Blackhawks back to backs at Nashville and then home against. Yeah. Uh, Home again, home tomorrow, and then uh, the Bulls. They got they got Brooklyn tonight, the Nets, and then the Bucks come here again. I believe. Yeah. No, I don't. You think we'll have time to shoehorn in some Blackhawks and Bulls talk? No, pro- well, probably not Blackhawks. Blackhawks, we Aww. may we may skip the Blackhawks. Big game for them, a rematch against Nashville, and uh, they've been playing well, actually, of late. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Hey, glad you're with us, everybody. Me, Mike Murphy, the Cub fan from Lions Township High School, LaGrange. Him, Fred Hubner. The White Jose Sox Abreu fan. fan. White Sox fan from... Martin High School in Cicero. Is that what I'm Martin East. To? I, I never can remember. Martin East. Yep. Martin East that. right there on right there in Austin in twenty fourth. Uh-huh. Can't miss it. Okay, yeah. I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. All right, so here's what we have planned for you today. A busy, busy sports day. As always, we'll try not to rehash uh, what maybe you've heard Monday through Friday. Uh, try to give you some new angles and uh, some good uh, fun for the next few hours. Always at 9 a.m. Let's take a look at, you know, the famous, how long have we been doing the Murph and Fred fan focus oh, it's group? It's got to be Twitter 20, 30 years yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah. before, well before Twitter. But we called it the we Twitter poll? We called it the Twitter poll, yeah. We just, we, we knew. We were visionaries. Yes, we were. We were amazing. Uh-huh. We were existentialists. Well, what? that too. What were we? Still couldn't spell it, but that's what we were. <laughs> number, number one, vote now at ESPN 1000. Mitch Trubisky's biggest weakness is A, B, C, or D. A, accuracy. <laughs> You're not supposed to laugh yet. No, I'm laughing at, the, at one of the ones that oh. you don't have written down. Well, we only have four uh, slots. Yeah. Accuracy, happy feet. We should play the happy days music when we happy feet. Locking in on the first receiver or confidence. Okay, you All know right. what number five would be, which some well, of the people would say. Now let's recap and then you throw in. Okay, e, what's the question e. again? All right, the question again is: Mitch Trubisky's biggest weakness is accuracy, happy feet, locking in, confidence, or football. <laughs> Can we put another one up there, EO11? That's football. what some people would say. Some people would probably say football. Uh-huh. EO11. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would, I would not say football, but okay. I know, you know, some of the some of the uh, Trubisky mm-hmm. um, right. people who do not like him, yeah. they would probably say that. So uh, Next would be uh, vote Three now. touchdown performance he's coming off of. Uh, by the way, just, just to... Uh, Tickle the uh, the my fancy here, talk show hosts and Fred. You know we've said this. I haven't for many many years. We have the responsibility. This is, and this is not just sports radio. You know any, right. any talk. You talk doesn't have to be radio, but we I believe 
have the responsibility to risk being wrong. Well, I think it's got to be radio. Because yeah, okay. you, if you're uh, if you're an everyday person, yeah. you're wrong. Yeah. It's not your responsibility to be wrong. You got to be right once in a while. But for us, right. we make predictions. We okay. you know we come up with ideas. Right. We come up with thoughts mm-hmm. based on what we see. All right. They're not always right, but we've got to come up yeah. with one. We don't say, "Well, let me wait and see how that plays out." We have the responsibility yeah. to risk being wrong. Yeah. See, I'm not a big fan of making predictions. No, no, I but, predict. No, but. Uh, just last week, I said, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with Mark Pott, I said, eh, you know, it makes sense if they yeah. threw the ball to a tight end that can catch the ball, like Ben Broniker. Oh, yeah. And they did. So, and he got a touchdown. Is this so, where we know. don't want to hurt our elbows since we've been patting ourselves well, on yeah, the back? We've been I mean, talking you know, about the eye A couple weeks before end. that, I said, yeah, you know, <laughs> that uh, that Holtz guy, you put him in the backfield, oh. he can block. And yeah, and then the next day they did it. So, yeah, yeah you want to do those things because every once in a while you'll say something mm-hmm. and then it never happens and you look yeah. like a fool. So, the one or two times you get something right in a year. You yeah. want to make sure people know about it. Where's the I formation? Where's the lead back? Where's the heavy? And then all of a sudden there's the three tackles in the game at once. Well, there know. was a report There was a report this week that David Montgomery uh, mm. stepped wrong on his ankle and kind yeah. of turned his ankle a little yes. bit. I immediately tweeted out, I'm pretty sure Nagy kicked him so he doesn't have to run the ball at all. Wow! Because Was that a hot take, a warm take, or a cold take? That would have been a hot take. Because Nagy doesn't that ever one's on fire. Yeah, yep. Nagy doesn't ever want to run the ball. The coach kicked him. He just kind of does it just to pacify the people uh-huh. that are yelling, "Run the ball!" Okay, here. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's one run. Now I'm going to throw for 21 times. That's that's an oxymoron. A, a, oh, pa- a pacifist in the NFL, huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll is uh, vote now. Multiple choice is stealing the catcher's signals. In baseball, with electronic video technology. All right, you know, we've heard about Is that more unethical than a runner on second base stealing the catcher's signals with his own eyes? All right? Is stealing the catcher's signs with high-tech video, is that more unethical than a runner on second base stealing the catcher's signs with his own eyeballs? Yes, no, both are ethical, both are unethical. And number nine, here's my favorite one, Fred. I woke up in the middle of the night said, I got to put number nine on here. Number nine, number nine. Should MLB allow, all right? Now work with me, everybody. I see where you're going here, Murph. Should MLB allow the home team to place a hidden high-tech surveillance microphone in the visitor's dugout? To listen to the, uh, you know, uh, the manager, the bench coach uh, during the game talking strategy. Wait, give me that again, Murph. That is so crazy. I don't even know. Should baseball allow hidden microphones in the dugout? The home team wires up undercover in the middle of the night. They can put a little. Th- okay, we got a little surveillance micro. Here's where the. Uh, Manager stands at Sox Park at Wrigley Field, uh, and we're going to listen in. The in- yes or no? Should they allow the home team to have hidden surveillance microphones in the visitors' dugout aimed at the manager and the bench coach? Vote yes or no. We'll get to all those. I'm pretty sure you would be bored silly if they did that. Oh, because yeah. How many times would they show Joe Madden? Is he talking to somebody? How many times would they show Ricky Renteria? Is he actually uh-huh. talking to someone? Right. They're just standing there watching the game. 
because they've done all their work before the game. Vote now at ESPN. From what I understand, uh, whatever they whatever it is they do, I don't, I don't, I don't know how yeah. they vote for manager of the year. Right? Yeah, just some guy. Let's just pick it. Has he won? No, let's give it to him. Hey, we got takes. We got, but I don't know if they're hot takes. Uh-huh. Uh, warm takes or cold takes, all right? I got some takes. And then Fred at EO11, you guys can uh, tell me. And if you have some takes. All right, number one. Okay, here's my first take, all right? Okay. All right. To prevent guys from using the helmet as a weapon, all right, just take off the face masks. Yes! Think about it. Is that a hot... What, what was you that, like Murph? that one. Ditka to, likes that one. To prevent guys using the helmet as a weapon and to prevent concussions. And are you referring to people tackling, leaving their feet, or are you pre- referring to Miles Garrett oh, swinging it? Because that's two different things. Well, you know what? Good point, but yes and no. Because Fred and I have talked for years before Ditka even said it. That if you take the face mask yeah, off. that's a common thing. It'll le- it'll stop people from well, leading with their head with a tackle. Murph brings this up all the time, and I vehemently disagree that it will. Because they don't lead with their face mask. They lead with their well, the crown of their head. Well, right now, yeah, but they lead with the crown of their head. Yeah. Even the players now, they don't want to, they don't want to get their uh, their nice little shield uh, cracked or anything. Or so they, they lead with the crown of their head. This, you lead with the crown. You don't yeah. have a face mask. You don't think your nose might get sort of dinged up? I don't think they would care. <laughs> they, still, they would still lead. I right. think they would still lead with the crown of their head without the face mask. But as the old 11 points out. That's why I say take the helmet off altogether. Well, or the old leather helmet. Yeah. Right? The old leather yeah. helmet. So, and then you, you won't be leading with your head. Eric, so to prevent guys from using a helmet, like over the head, like holding a face, just take off the face mask. You'll never see what, what they're going to do. Hold it by the ear hole. All right. Hot take. Warm take. Cold take. Eric. Um, I'll say warm take because I agree warm. with it when it comes to the football sense. I thought that was a cold take for sure. Yeah, I think it's wow. warm. Okay. All right, here. Okay, how about this one? To stop teams from using the TV cameras to steal the catcher's signals, all right, the catcher should just yell out to the pitcher, curveball, fastball, slider, cutter. Just yell it out. Well, you've seen that commercial on TV, haven't you, where the, no. where the third base coach says, we're going to bunt here. Yeah. And then they look and they yeah. say, really? What are you doing? So the catcher just yells out, two-seamer. Now the hitter, he's thinking, is he really going to throw to two-seamer? Right. Or the two-seamer could mean slider. So you could have all kind of sure. reverse tricks in that. But then they'll figure that pattern well, out, just he, like he, they figure out the yeah. pattern with the signals. But at least the camera wouldn't be involved, see? This would be, you have to actually listen Hot take, warm take, cold take. I'm giving that one a cold one, Murph. I yeah. don't like it. All right. I, I, I sort of <laughs> saw that one coming. Uh, ooh, okay. Eddie Pinheiro, right? Bears kicker. First game kicking in cold weather last week. And he, an extra point. he not only will not be with the Bears next year, he will not even be in the NFL next year. That's my take. Hot, warm, cold. I think it's cold because I think he's going to kick for the Bears for years to come. 
I think it's a hot take because I do actually see him sticking around. So I think your take is on the opposite of what might happen. Oh, okay. There's a lot of bad kickers in the league. Yeah, I don't understand the hot take concept <laughs> here. So, He's yeah. not going to be around. He won't be in the NFL next year. Yeah, I think he will. Okay. I think he will. I thought it was a hot take. I think it's a hot take. Help yeah. me right there with Adam Shaheen. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I like That's him. a cold take. I know he you did. Gone. I know you did. This had to be a rough week for you because well, you're, you look good. No, yeah. I mean, I realized a long time ago he's. Oh, okay. Because, yeah. Bust a loop. I remember you saying how you went to camp it and you saw good. Adam Shaheen and he was catching the ball it and was. all that stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. See, those kids will trick you sometimes. Oh, yes, they will. Yep. Jim Fry first uh-huh. got heard say that. I'm sure it's been said for yep. 150 years. A ball. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Jim Fry, Cub GM, long time ago. Hey. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Hey, Murph. Yeah, yeah, Jim. You know, these ball players will trick you. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. sure will. They'll trick you There's right no into uh, last place. Uh, you guys got a take? Here's one. What do you think? Okay. When Jason Benetti filled in for Neil Funk on the Bulls game a week or so ago, he let analyst Stacy King, he had, Stacy had the forum, time to talk, more and more strategy to. I say Stacy King is the most underrated sports analyst in Chicago media. We got uh, you know, Stoney, our, our buddy Steve Stone, my buddy Steve Stone. We got DJ, Darren Jackson, Ron Coomer, Jimmy Deshays, Tommy Thayer. We got the Bill Wennington, Eddie Olchek. We got Troy Murray. I'm not saying that he's better. I'm just saying... He's an underrated, the most underrated. That's a hot take. Analyst. Yeah, is, really? is that right? Would that be a hot take? Or yeah, the more outlandish it is, the more of a hot take it oh, okay, is. So no, that's not I, outlandish. No, yeah, see, I'm confused. Wait a minute. No one ever says that. I think it's a. I'm not right, trying so to that out- would make it a hot take. Oh, okay. like the more right. like outlandish or the more like going out on a limb, okay, the hotter okay. the take. You okay. threw me off with outlandish. <laughs> so that's okay. a hot take. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I tell you, it was so great, and. uh you know, Benetti, whatever. You can't ask me because I had the, I had the well, mute on the whole game. Well, Benetti, so. for like three and a half quarters. Uh-huh. This was about 10 days ago, the Bulls game. And uh, Stacy was just, you know, free-forming, pontificating, breaking down the X's and O's, funny stuff. I mean, he was unbelievable when he was uh, not harnessed, you know? Uh-huh. But then <laughs> Jason Benetti um, couldn't help himself. But the middle of the fourth quarter, Fred, yep. he was Jason Benetti. Yeah. I heard someone someone tweeted this out, St- or you sent it to uh, me. Stacy said, give me the hot sauce. You know, someone was pouring in a couple three threes in her. Give me the hot sauce. And Jason Benetti goes, do you ever talk about, like, uh, honey mustard sauce? Uh-huh. And it was like throwing the anchor out on the speedboat. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's an op- there's an opening slot at Zanies coming yeah. up tonight. And Stacy so. King says, uh, he says, you know, something like, uh, "I'll pretend you didn't say that." And the whole thing just went; it spiraled out. It is downhill. Uh-huh. Don't try. It's hard to. What was one of the first things we learned? It's hard to be funny. It's hard to be if you're not a comedian. Right. Don't try to it's be funny to be on funny. the radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Very hard to be funny. Take. Okay. Releasing and then trading for a draft pick, running back Mike Davis. It's going to prove to be the worst personnel move Ryan Pace has made this year. Now that we find out David Montgomery 
has tweaked his ankle. Releasing and trading and getting a pick back, whatever, conditional, fourth round, fifth round, whatever, will prove to be the worst personnel move this year by Ryan Pace now that David Montgomery has tweaked up the ankle. Hot take. He didn't make many. Well, yeah, I'm trying well, to think of what the see, competition would yeah, be. That's what well, I was trying to do. There we see, go. See where I'm going here. Yeah, he didn't make many. So it might be true. Yeah. Eddie Pinheiro is about the only other one, right? That would be the other one. Yeah. Let's just say that. Well, he's not even going to be in the NFL next year. I mean, you could argue this isn't pace. Never mind. I was going to say having Daniel start it at center uh-huh. as opposed to guard, but that's not pace. That's naggy. Right. Most likely, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think you might be right on that one, Murph. All right. So that was a... Uh, Cold take, then. Because you know, it's right. I thought hot takes were hot good. Hot takes are like going out on a limb. Ah, I thought, well, no one else has said it. And that's out on the limb. No? I mean... I've heard a lot of people all week going, oh, If boy, someone doesn't say it doesn't mean it's a hot take. If it happens, it's not like... <laughs> It's again. It's a, it's how out there it is. Is a hot take. The part that bothered me is that people, the fans, <laughs> think that Mike Davis wasn't much of a running back. That's not the case. Uh. The case is that the, that Matt Nagy decided not to use him. Uh-huh. So, in my opinion, I don't, I'm trying to figure out if Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are on the same page when it comes to picking up players, um, because. You pick up a guy and you use him like 40 snaps in the first two games, and then all of a sudden you don't use him at all. Um, you know, And you don't run the ball at all. So I don't quite and understand now, what the problem the was. Ba- now the backup running back is a Cordero, uh, what's his name, number Patterson. 84. Yeah. Right? Or Ryan Nall, who they just brought up from the practice squad, and he got a penalty for hitting the back in the special teams the other day. <laughs> yes, he did. All right, I got one left here, all right? I don't know anymore. We'll, the, we'll debate. Yeah, we'll, we'll let you know if it's hot or, or cold or warm. Good. Eric's got me all back ass word here. I don't know what I'm coming or going. David Ross. Everyone knows who he is, right? New Cup manager. manager. All right. David Ross and new bench coach Andy Green. Who? David Ross and new bench coach Andy Green will not get along. It's going to cause problems in the dugout, in the locker room. When the players realize, number one, that Andy Green is the spy, or the spia, as they say, in the dugout, and when David Ross figures out he wants his job, this is not going to be pretty. I understand David Ross did not even want this guy. I think you said the exact same thing one year ago Uh about Mark Loretta. For uh, Joe Madden. Yeah. Well, because we all thought... We, I mean, a lot of people thought mm-hmm. that Mark Loretta was brought in to be the next manager. He may have thought that, too. I, I think maybe that's why they brought him in. And then they decided, <laughs> well, you know what? That's Maybe Mark Loretta will be the manager after David Ross. But maybe they figure it's not time for him now. We're not going to keep him here for another year. So Loretta and Joe, both are gone. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, a hot I, take, Murph. No, that's, that's a hot take. That is a hot yeah, take. Uh-huh. But is that good or bad? That means it's less likely to happen. <laughs> So I don't know whether you think that's good or bad. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's... I, I think that the uh, that they're all behind uh, David Ross. I don't think they're going to uh, spy on him. Every GM has a spear somewhere, hidden somewhere. So That's a hot take. There it is. <laughs> See, that's well, good. It's common knowledge. So it's a cold take. I don't know. <laughs> all right. 
tell you what, let's review our Twitter poll. That's the Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter polls. And we have a bunch uh, happening, but let's go back to the three that we've reviewed here this half hour. Number one, Mitch Trubisky's biggest weakness is accuracy, happy feet, locking in on his primary receiver, or confidence. Why, see, you didn't put all of the above either, so that was good. Thank you. Um, Yeah, because it (laughs) had a lot of write-in votes for all the above, though, let me tell you. I bet. Um, Well, give us a few of those first, Eric. Oh, just a lot of people were saying all of the above, not being a winner, Mm -hmm. E-talent. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'd go, with defenses. I'd, go with, I'd go with confidence. I would go with confidence. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's probably not going to be. That's probably going to be third. But oh. I would go with confidence. Let's see what the fans say. Eric. All right. Bottom to top with 7% is his biggest weakness is happy feet. Okay. 15% is locking in. Okay. 36% is accuracy. And mm-hmm. 42% think Mitch's biggest weakness is his confidence. Huh. Now. He was confident the first two years of his career. Yeah, I didn't think, I, I you know, I, that's what I think the problem is. I didn't think that other fans would say that, though. Which I thought it would be, go the other way, but I'm surprised. Which would be the uh, easiest to uh, improve or fix, if that's the right word. Accuracy, happy feet, locking in, or confidence. Which is uh, the one that's got the best chance to maybe develop and get better? I got to say confidence, because... If everything, if other things start working out, you're going to be confident. Yeah, right? I think that'd be the easiest. I, there was many people don't like Phil Sims. Phil Sims wrote a book, and one thing Phil Sims said in the book is that the one thing that is very difficult for quarterbacks to improve on mm-hmm. is accuracy. If you're not accurate, you can't improve your accuracy. All right, if I've you're heard not, that too. if you're not going to be an accurate quarterback. In grade school, high school, college, you won't be one in the pros. I tend to agree with that. Uh, a parallel in baseball, you can go all the way back to like 30 years ago. One of the first things Bill James discovered, the great uh, first numbers guru, was that, and that's when it became the uh, on-base percentage. Right. That was the first thing in the whole uh, analytical and, and metrics uh, world was on-base. Walk. Got to walk. And Bill James discovered through research that guys that walked in, you know, high school, walked, like you're saying, in college, you walked in the minors, you're going to walk in the majors. Right. And conversely, if you never walked in high school or college or low minor, you ain't going to start walking. No, you're not. It's really difficult for them to try to figure that out. So, accuracy. Let's look at the three touchdown passes. All right? Real quick. Because the accuracy all year has been one of his, you know, many problems as we delineated right here. Sure. Now, accuracy, in fact, Camp. Camp had a stat. Do we have that there handy? Uh, cut four, EO 11. This was Camp earlier this week. They dropped four more balls. Do you guys realize the Chicago Bears lead the National Football League in drop passes? Lead. I think Dallas is second now. Now, not for a long discussion, we're up against the clock, but do you have any idea how that stat is determined? Is If the ball's in, like, the old bread basket and you drop it? Or what if you're, like, extending on your radius and you've got your feet inbounds, you're leaning out? Well, here, I'll, I'll give you one thing. I yeah. saw a stat earlier this week that one of the receivers who has not dropped a pass thrown to him is Allen Robinson. Well, uh-huh. 
I've seen Allen Robinson drop a pass here and there. So those must not have been listed as drops. I don't know. For him. See, it's weird. So, what what if you got a guy wide open, uh, you know, for a touchdown, and Trubisky overleads him and it just bounces off his fingertips? That's not a drop. Well, uh, okay, yeah. So it's because got to beware, right? In the, the Bears, bread basket. right? The Bears had two hundred ninety nine attempts. They uh-huh. have twenty two drops. All right, let's look quick. Bang, bang, bang. Highlights CBS. The three touchdown passes were all right on the money. Now I know he missed people. He's missed people for three years. But could he be, and this is what we're talking about, can accuracy get better or confidence? First, touchdown. Lions lead 6 nothing. Bears ball, second and five. They're knocking on the door, down on the 18-19 yard line. On a second and five, Trubisky lays it out there. This throw by Trubisky. What? But a clean pocket for Trubisky, and he puts it right on the money. What? Yep, Tremendous that was a great pass. Throw. It was right on the money. Yeah, he just lofted it. You saw right before he threw it how he just he knew yeah. he had to just loft it at a certain angle. Perfect. And when you have Dan Fouts, a yeah. Hall of Famer, to say, you know, tremendous pass. Uh, but he also did say he had time in the pocket, which is something he doesn't yeah. always have. Well, there you go. Right. Now, the second touchdown, though they will not say it, he uh, threw the swing pass to Cohen. What do you know? In stride. I think he 11 earlier. So a high school quarterback should do that, right, Eric? But should. he did it. Yeah. He did it, and Cohen caught it in stride, which was why he was able to turn the corner. Swing pass. Catch me. Cohen, does he have the angle? Yes! Touchdown, Bears! Swing pass in stride to use his speed, not Stop and catch it. Lean back and get it. Again, simple rudimentary, whatever quarterback in the yeah. NFL should do, but he did it. And then the third touchdown, Bears up 13-6. Third down and 10. Bears knocking on the door again at the 18-yard line. Let's get Taylor Gabriel ready. Third and nine. Trubisky trying to keep the drive alive. Or looking for it all. Touchdown! Taylor Gabriel. Trubisky with a strike. Trubisky with a strike. All I know is this. All three touchdowns were on the money, and that was a nice maybe, maybe confidence builder. You would you would hope so. Hey, great, great day out today. The sun is out. That's nice. A little bit warmer. And at Fields Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Glenview, you will get a low price and a whole lot more. Some auto dealerships advertise false prices just to get you to come on in. Well, not at Fields. All their advertised prices are real. Don't change when you come on in. Go check out a Durango or a Journey. And you say, well, I want to see a Jeep. They got Jeeps. Cherokee, Compass, the Gladiator. You want a Ram truck? How about looking at the 1500? They will not mislead you. Go on over to Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview, or visit them online at fieldscjd.com. Thanks, Fred. Take a break. What, what's that, Eric? Jesse Rogers just said, I'm going to call in for a few minutes. He was down in Arizona. We'll get back on the Bears beat and much, much more. Murph and Fred, Saturdays, 9 a.m. Vote now. Our Twitter polls are hopping at ESPN 1000. We're having a great Saturday. I know we are because you're with us, Murph and Fred. Saturdays at 9 a.m., one minute away from Jesse Rogers. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Twitter polls. Number, uh, let's see. We Oh, here. Number five. White Sox fans, vote now. Jose Abreu just signed a 
one-year, almost $18 million deal with the White Sox. Yeah, right. the qualifying offer. Yeah, he said, I'll take it. Yep. And he qualified. He may still be able to get a two- or three-year okay. deal. Yeah. Sox fans, A, B, or C, are you happy he's back for one year? Yes, I am. B, no, that's too short, like Fred said. Make it more. Or C, no, that's too long. What, one year? In other words, you didn't want him back. So uh, you're happy he's back. You're happy, but it should have been more. Or it's a little too much right now. And Cup fans, vote. Are you okay with Theo, the squanderer, Epstein, ready to trade away a star player or two to retool for 2020? Yes, I want that. Retool. B, no. I'm not happy with the squanderer as it is, and now he's going to retool. Hey, it's Saturday. That must mean Jesse. Brought to you by a Murph and Fred. Hey, Jesse, good morning. We could use a little hot stove with this weather, yeah. right? Well, plus, how about it? Plus, after yesterday and you filling in for Cap, you'll be happy to talk about anything besides <laughs> football. Besides Miles, Miles Garrett, for sure. Exactly. Jesse, I, <laughs> I listened to, to you uh, the, the morning show. You guys filled in great uh, for Kip. Let me guess. Was it like the old days with Northy at noon? You went to Gibson's and pounded down a few blasts, a couple belts? Uh, the number next to my age says I go home and take a nap nowadays. <laughs> there you go. Those days are long gone. Uh, I miss them, though. But a great memory, sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you were uh, at the Omni Hotel. I don't know if you yeah. actually stayed there, but you were hanging out bugging everybody, I'm sure, in the lobby. They call it the uh, GM meetings earlier this week. And I heard you make, with your great reports during the week, you ran into some uh, White Sox people in the lobby, right? Yes, in the lobby late at night. Kenny Williams in the lobby during the day. That would be Rick Hahn. So I talked to both of them, and it certainly seems like it's almost a repeat of last offseason. They've got to add some veteran leadership, maybe some championship experience. Um, I think they'll dip their toe in the in the deep end of the pool, but I, I've been saying all week I think the shallow end will work for them as well. They can they can add a second tier guy, and that still pushes them, you know, moves them forward. So I think there's a lot of free agents, uh, uh, sort of the pool of free agents available to the White Sox. We'll see how how hard they go after it. You think that um, Castellanos is a name that comes up quite a bit, and I, I guess you'd consider him second tier, right after Rendon and Strasburg and Cole and things like that. Um, you, how many teams do you think are going to be interested in a guy like Castellanos? Well, I mean, a, a lot of them because uh, his age mostly. Um, now, it'll be an interesting negotiation because he really – there's a number OPS plus, okay, that takes into account – the, the park that they're playing in, not to get too technical and all that. But he really has only had that one unbelievable year. It was last year, the nearly 60 doubles. Now, you can't take away anything he did before that. He had great years, but not to this extent. So how does Boris sell that? Is this who he is moving forward, or does he revert to sort of a normal level? So to me, that's interesting. Is he, you know, is he J.D. Martinez-type money? I don't think so, but Boris might. So... Fred, I think a lot of teams are interested, but a lot of teams might get scared off by the by the price tag if he goes, you know, big time on this one year that he had. Didn't Boris say that St. Nick only, yes. per, only performs once a year? And uh, 
Young Nick Saint Nick. Yeah. yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah every yeah. day. And, you know, he yeah. did. It was funny, too, because, well, not funny, ha-ha, but the, the Cubs brought him over to do exactly what he did. And the problem is nobody followed. <laughs> nobody followed suit. He did exactly what he was supposed to do when he got here. Yeah, it reminds me of Daniel Murphy the year before. Yep. Now he slowed down a little bit, but he started out hot. And this is this is the essential reason Theo is changing everything up because nothing seems to spark this team. So now they're going to try a type A personality in the manager's office, and they're going to change up the, the, the roster as well. So what would uh, Castellanos uh, be getting? Uh, and we can rule out the Cubs on uh, him. Actually, he's had a really solid so. career. You guys are right. I mean, it, that was his uh, you know outlier, if you want to call it that. But he's always been a doubles machine, a solid guy in a big-ass ballpark with a bad-ass team. But uh, the Cubs are not going to be – Cub fans won't see uh, St. Nick back, eh? No, I don't think so. I've never thought that was in the cards, yeah. considering what they're trying to do. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but doesn't he just scream, you know, twenty million? I mean, I know it's a lot of that. Just that yeah. seems like a twenty four years, eighty million seems like you know a well compensated mm. free agent, considering what he's done these last few years, especially last year. So to me, he's a, yeah. he's a twenty million dollar guy, but not more, and 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 not that much less, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. I saw Fangraphs put down his uh, what they thought the median. Um, thing that he may get and it said four years 56 which is a lot which is quite a bit I think less that's than low. That. Yeah. yeah i think that's low i don't think boris is going to accept that he's going to look at the comparables guy almost hit 60 doubles yeah 60 doubles and like i said uh, you know previous to that it wasn't as good but no but boris isn't selling them on 2015 they're going to say look at what my guy just did in Detroit, and then the power surge that he had in wrigley he's gonna he's gonna ask for 56 low that's well, low how many doubles did he hit Nearly 60, right? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I think it was 58 total. So maybe I'm a little high, but I think 56 is low. Somewhere, somewhere in the East. Maybe he's you're what? 17. Well, not till, not till vacation. Well, you no, you're not in Mexico yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then air, but anyway, there will be elevation when the airplane takes off, of course. <laughs> uh, Jesse, we got some cuts talk. You know what? We're running low on time here. So okay. uh, you know what? It's the lightning round. Jesse loves the lightning round. The lightning round, Jesse. All right. Number one. Where does Joe Madden's money uh, go? Well, what's going to happen? He made $6 million last year. Uh, Rossi's probably, say, one, one and a half. Just round it off because I feel like saying one. What happens to the $5 million that disappeared from, from Joe's uh, money? You start off with a question I can't answer. I, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, go, it, it's it divided among the Ricketts family. I don't, I don't know where that <laughs> money goes. I mean, I'm sure if I asked that question, they'd say back into the payroll, but I don't... I don't peanuts, peanuts. There's four of the yeah. kids and grand and dad. Yeah. They each get a million in the stocking <laughs> from uh, St. Nicholas. All right, that's a good... I mean, we don't know. I wasn't trying to stop it. We don't know, but yeah. it's just something that what they say, ponder. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not about the money. No, no, we didn't get rid of Joe because of the money. All right, then where's the five million going? Number two. <laughs> Lightning round. All right, when uh, uh, Theo uh, vamooses Akasa in two years and uh, goes bye-bye, is Jed Hoyer a lock to replace Theo as the boss man in the big chair in two years? I think so. I think so. In fact, I think it would have been a situation where Scott Harris would have been elevated to GM, Mm -hmm. the guy that went to the Giants, 
and and Jed would have been the president. I I I, th- I think that's the succession. Right. I think Jed is here for the long term in Chicago if they'll have him. Hot take. Don't you think that Jed also is about ready to say, you know what? I'm I'm tired of being on on Theo's coattails. I'm tired now. of getting coffee for everybody. But basically, I'm, I'm because general. Think about it, Jess. Huh. General manager used to be the mm-hmm. title, and now even the Scott Harris who goes over to San Francisco, it's not it's not like he's going to be making all the decisions. Now, no, not I, with their president there. You know, I, I know there's the public public uh, persona, but I will tell that that Theo obviously is in charge, and he is. But internally, it's not like Jed is getting coffee. I mean, he is making as many decisions with Theo as there are. I mean, th- th- there's there's um, this is how it works. There are agents and GMs that Jed knows better than Theo, and vice versa. And those are the guys he works with, and they come together. My point is, internally, I think he feels pretty satisfied. Yes, he doesn't get the credit externally. He's also not getting the blame either. So right, and, but I do think, and I do think, just so, just to make things clear, Murph and I are big fans. I think we both like Jed Hoyer. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, I don't, I like I don't, him more I don't than think, I used to. Right, I'm, I maybe I'm think, a bigger fan, but yeah. yeah, I don't think he feels unsatisfied in his job. Is my point? Okay, so we'll see. I don't know. I want him to be in the big chair and the final lightning round topics. All right, all last July. Whit Merrifield, Whit Merrifield. Who kept saying that? <laughs> Me. Yep. And, of course, they couldn't pull it off, and then they went down the tubes in September, whatever. Now, a lot of fans don't know who this guy is. He plays for Kansas City, so you don't see him much. He's uh, going to be 31 years old. But listen to the uh, money, his control. Uh, the uh, Royals have this guy, $5 million, uh coming up, $7 million coming up, and... Three million coming up. Peanuts. And uh, what does he do? Well, he played, uh, started 70 games at uh, second base and 70 games in the outfield. Led the American League in at-bats, 681. Uh, tied for the lead in games played, 162. He led the league in hits, Jesse, 206. Slash line, 302, 348, 463. Led the league in triples. Now, how do you get him? Here's your leadoff man center fielder. Here's what you do. I want you to uh, give this no charge to Theo. Mm -hmm. A three-way trade. Now, you don't hear about this much. Just don't go up to Theo and say, Theo, I got a three-way for you. No, it's called, (laughs) right. (laughs) Or a trade a trois. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Trade a trois. Now, here's the thing. The Royals don't need Chris Bryant. It's the last thing in the world they need. They're retooling. So they the, like the guy they got there. He hit the hell right. out of the ball this year. Yeah. yeah, they don't need him. Right. But here's what you do. You, you call 28 other teams. Here's what you can tell uh, the squanderer for me, Jesse. Theo. You, you, uh, you, you call 28 other teams. You don't call the Royals because they're already in on this with you. And you say, tell you what. Here's what I want you to do. I want If you want Chris Bryant, you work out the deal that can get him from uh, the Royals. We're going to make a three-way trade. The Royals want two, three young guys for Whit Merrifield. The Dodgers, they need a third baseman. They say they want a new third baseman. Then the Dodgers say, all right, Royals, here. We got boom, boom, boom at triple A and double A for Whit Merrifield. They go, great. Three-way trade. Bingo, bango, bilko. Right around the triangle. Then you got your center fielder. Now, who plays third? Well, Bryant's going to make about 15 this year. And Merrifield, what did I say is making here? Five million. So you got 10 more million to the good. Yeah. 
right let me, there. Let me, then you sign yeah. uh, Moustakas uh, for third base, and you got Merrifield and Moustakas. A left-handed hitter. Yeah, they yeah. got to do something, Jesse. Yeah, I wanted to jump in before you, you, yeah. you, we ran out of time sure. because I rarely say this. I think it's one of the smarter things you've come up with in a while, Murph. The idea well, of it's every 25 trade. years. Is that, is that what you rarely say? Every yeah. 25 <laughs> years, yeah. The, the, the idea of a three-team trade is, is absolutely a good one. Mm-hmm. And you heard me say this earlier this week. One of the interesting things of this offseason is the trade partners that the Cubs – are going to be talking to. Mm-hmm. It's not their normal guys. They've been in the rebuild mode for, you know, they were in the rebuild mode, then they were in the ad mode. Now you're talking to the Dodgers because these five players that are two years away from free agency, you're exactly right. How many rebuilding teams are going to want any of them? Wilson Contreras, a little bit of an exception. He's three years out. So the Dodgers, the Braves, yeah. uh, the Twins, these teams that are in some sort of winning contention window. Think about it. If they don't want to sign Rendon for $300 million, right. well, you know what? Chris Bryant's going to make about forty over these next two years. You are cost-controlled with any of these five guys approaching free agency. And those teams those teams probably have, I know the Dodgers do, a lot of young players, yes. which the and Cubs the Braves don't. do as well. Right. And that's and the what the Royals well. would want. So, so all of a sudden, if you start thinking three-team trades, now the entire... Uh, uh, you know, every team in baseball is available to you for trades because you can use the three-team trade via a, a contending team or just a two-team trade with a contending team. So, and then if you throw Wilson Contreras in there, he's got three years of control. Mm. Every team might want him. I mean, so you have so many. It, it reminds me quickly, Fred. You remember a couple, three years ago when the White Sox sold? Yeah, they actually had a lot of good pieces, but under Robin Ventura, nothing was working. Same thing here. They have good pieces, but under Joe these last year or two, especially last year, it wasn't working. So they are, they're going to be selling some good pieces. Now, here's the thing, Murph, and going back to your point about you know retooling, it'd be nice if they made these trades, got younger a little bit, but then replaced them with uh, you know all-star caliber players and, and be ready to compete for it all next year. I don't think that's going to happen. Yes, they're going to have a third baseman. It's just not going to be Rendon or whoever if it's not Bryant. It's going to be maybe a uh, triple-A guy they get in return, whatever. They are retooling for 2020 to maybe spend more in 2021. So they're going to make those trades and not replace them with big money guys, whoever leaves. The Jed Hoyer era, 2022. All you got to do is wait till not next year, Cub fans. Wait till 2022. Jesse, buckle up. Uh, put your uh, tray up and uh, your, your chair in the upright position. Uh, great to visit with you. Travel well. Thank you, guys. As always, uh, talk to you in about a week. We'll see. Good Careful, Jess. Yep. Jesse Rogers, Murph and Fred. I know we're running late. Hey, vote now. Twitter poll. Want to hear your results. Got Bears coming up again. It's ESPN 1000. Ah, what a day to go look for a car. You're not sure what you want? Well, you can get a... Um you can get a Chrysler, you can get a Dodge, you can check them all out at Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview. Perfect day today. You get a low price, a whole lot more. The guys are waiting for you. At Fields, all their advertised prices are real. They won't change when you come in. They want to earn your business. They will never mislead you. Go on over to Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, in Glenview. A gorgeous day to go car shopping. Or you can visit them at fieldcjd.com. Murph and Fred, Saturday's 9 a.m. Dan Schalk is going to check in in a little while. He said he'd give us a call, the football expert over at Our Lads. But 
Let's pay off a few of our uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll active questions right now with the help of Erica Ostrowski. Sox fans have voted, Fred. Jose Abreu just signed a one-year uh, $17.8 million deal. You pointed out that doesn't mean that he can't uh, extend no. it also. They might still be working on a long-term deal, sure. a longer-term deal. Sox fans, are you happy he's back You know, for one year right now? Yes, I am. B. That's too short. Should be longer. C, one year's already too long. Ooh, we got a rough crowd out there today. What do the Sox fans say, Eric? 65% of the voters said yes. They are happy Jose is back for one year. Hmm, and which uh, came in next? Uh, too short was 23%. Too long was 12%. All right, so Sox fans happy. And some say not enough. Cool. What would you uh, have said there, Fred? Yeah, you, I, would, you want I, more? I, I would have said, yeah, probably one yeah, more. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice that he's back. You he knew he was going to be back. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they just said, listen, here's a qualifying offer. Here's 17.8. Yeah. And then uh, we'll, we'll get you as we go along. And so. Cub fans voted uh, just yes or no. Are you okay with Theo, the squanderer? Epstein ready to uh, trade away a star player or two so they can retool. Time to retool in 2020. Yes, you're okay with it. No, you're not. I have no idea where this is going, Eric. What happened? 84% of the voters said yes. They are okay with Theo trading away some players. It's sort of a trick question. Because they have no choice. Right. Because they have no farm system, and he has spent all of uh, Daddy's money, uh, most of it unwisely. I think it's going to come down to which one of the which star are they talking about? Mm-hmm. Because the reports are now that they're talking to Javi about a long term deal. Uh-huh. Well, if Javi's not going to sign a long term deal, well, then they say, well, Javi, if you're not going to sign a long term deal, we may be moving you. But uh, I don't think that's. I think he's the last guy that they would they would move. Well, I think it would be Contreras or Bryant, and yeah. nothing's going to happen with Bryant. I don't think until this case is uh, is resolved. Theo really has no choice but to trade one or more of the stars. Well, because I, he's got nothing. He's got no other way to get out of this mess. This is this is coming from a White Sox fan. But I'm not uh, being critical, but yeah. how many stars do they have to trade? Well. Stars is a, a word we have to define, but they can trade Baez, they can trade Bryant, they can trade Contreras. Contreras and Schwarber has some market value uh, in the American League. For yeah, sure. he's got a lot, yeah. I think, in the American League. And you're not going to trade Hendricks or any of the pitching because they need pitching. I don't believe they're going to trade Quintana. Little Bears next. Stick around, Murph and Fred. Our number two, Quintana. I'm glad the Sox fan chuckles every time I say Jose Quintana. Very yeah. steady, very steady 500 pitcher. 1,000. Oh, yeah, he's an innings eater, my fanny. From downtown Chicago on State Street, that great street, we are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios. This is WMVP Chicago. Saturday's all right, hopefully with you. It's all right with us. You all right, Fred? So far, so good. (laughs) Things can still go bad. Is that it? Yeah. Anything can happen. All right, uh, let's get back on the Bears beat. We're uh, one minute away from Dan Schock over at Our Lads. Everyone knows Dan, one-time NFL pro scout, and uh, does a great job at Our Lads, keeping an eye on what's coming up for the next year's drafts at college and following and uh, development. And, you know, I'm thinking about this, uh, Fred. Uh, you know, Ryan Pace, he's had a lot of good picks in the uh, – 
you know, second round, middle round. And, right. And we could list all the names, you know. Uh, and the first round picks, uh, well, you know what, a lot of them uh, right now, not what the fans are you know, most of us maybe well, probably not expected. What, probably not what Ryan Pace expected. <laughs> What's happening? Let's go over to our lads. Boss man Dan Shaka, now on ESPN 1000. Me, Mike Murphy, and him, he's uh, Fred Hubner. Hey, how you doing? Good, good morning, Dan Shaka. Good morning, gentlemen. <laughs> how are you? How old is who? No, how are you, he said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, uh, um, I, I don't know how old I am. I, I stopped counting after 39. There you go. So you and so, I are the same age. Cool. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm doing good. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's that time of the year that, um, yeah. you know, because I tell you, you know, these prospects, you're looking at early, you know, last year uh, in the summertime, their junior years, and then the senior year, you kind of look at them about three different times early middle and late so you can see how they develop hmm. through your career well let's uh, look at how things develop player development you know any sport right you got your minor leagues in baseball you got your other developmental uh, and uh, well football's you know pretty much college but then we're looking back and our lads you know no one's better than than you guys that on draft day and uh, throughout the year, keeping an eye. So let's go backwards a little bit here and try to figure something out if you could help out the Bears fans. We know that Ryan Pace, he had some really, he's had some really nice second round picks, middle round picks. You know, Eddie Goldman, Adrian Amos, our guy, a new guy, Nick Kwiatkowski, Jordan Howard, Blyle Nichols, uh, Eddie Jackson, Tariq Cohen. You know, nice, nice, solid picks, second, third, fourth round. But, Dan, the first-round picks, you know, Kevin White, Leonard Floyd, Mitch, and even Roquan right now, you know, and uh, some of the second rounds, Shaheen, Adam Shaheen, and uh, James Daniels, Anthony Miller. After a few years, how do you... How do you evaluate, and what would you look at to see, you know, how come some of these first-round guys, or maybe they are what you thought they'd be, but like Fred said, you know, I don't think it's what Ryan Pace thought, you know, development or just luck of the draw, bad drafts. It's, you know, this is not what you guys do. You guys look at the college guys, but you have to sort of look back uh, also every few years to see how you did, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, you're you're always constantly evaluating players, but you know, it, it, it's so many fold. The uh, I mean, hey, a guy can be a great player, and uh, he gets bounced around in the coaching staff, you know, and they get screwed up, or they get an injury, or whatever. They don't fit now the new scheme, or they're drafted for another scheme on defense or offense, and and you know, the variables are many, and. Uh, you know, a lot of times I got to put it on coaching because I remember when uh, when I was uh, uh, you know uh, with the Eagles, different places. I remember Ray Rhodes said, uh, you know, it's it's a lot harder to find a good player than it is a coach. You know, and um, <laughs> so you know, and, and I mean he's he's our head coach that said that. You know, so um, I, I think that uh, you know, there, the, first of all, the um, you know the uh, uh, the the NFLPA isn't doing any favors 
to, you know, with these guys only practicing so long, you don't get any developmental time. The offensive line, I mean, I've heard 32 fan bases complain about their offensive line. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, so that means there's, there's a main, there's a problem there. You know, Dallas, even with all the money they put there, and they've supposedly got one of the best, you know, and most certainly the highest paid, they've had their problems. And, um, you know, I mean, uh, probably fewer than some other teams, but, but still, you know, uh, if you don't, and, and plus these offensive line coaches are really, blue collar, hardworking guys, uh, for the most part. And, um, they're not getting the chance to work and develop these guys. And, uh, you know, that's the same for the other positions. I mean, you got 20 coaches on a staff and they must be falling all over each other because I'm seeing some of the stupidest things I've ever seen up in Cleveland and, uh, you know, things going backwards. Hey, one of the greatest, most accurate quarterbacks that I've ever seen in my 40 years evaluating players, Baker Mayfield. And he looks like at times that he's never even seen uh, a target before. You know what I mean? And uh, I just think there's a lot of very poor coaching going on. And I don't care, you know, what kind of players you got. But if you don't get them in the right scheme and they're not coached, then you got problems. You know, Dan, how difficult is it? I'm looking at two guys in particular, Leonard Floyd and Adam Shaheen. And they're a little bit different. But Leonard Floyd comes here. And when Leonard Floyd was drafted, they said he might be a little light. He might be a guy that's going to struggle at an outside linebacker position. And after three, four years, we've seen that that's exactly what the case is. And then you saw that Ryan Pace reaches for a tight end out of Ashland in, in, in the second round. It's like, how difficult is it to, you know, to try to grab guys and make them make basically something they're not? I mean, taking a, a second round tight end from Ashland and expecting him to uh, be able to acclimate to the National Football League, that's quite a stretch. And the same thing with, with Leonard Floyd. I mean, you don't want to put a lot of weight on him. That is going to slow his game down. But he's not going to be big enough to compete with some of the guys he's going against. How tough is that to, to make a jump that early and with those kind of players in, you know, in the second round of drafts? Yeah, no, there's no question about it. You know, Adam Shaheen uh, was drafted earlier. He, he would have been around, although he was very well thought of, you know, uh, in the scouting circles. But, you know, that obviously, uh, I mean, we thought it was a reach. I mean, we didn't have him go in the second round. I mean, right. There's always some eye poppers, you know, every so often. But, you know, I mean, um, you, you know, you never know. I mean, Pace might have thought that, hey, here, this guy uh, – is going to go in the third round to somebody. So, and, that, and Ron Wolf used to always say that. He said, if you got a guy graded third round, you better take him in the second because he ain't going to be there. You know what I mean? Okay. And same way in the fourth, take him in the third. Take him around earlier. He always called it the one-round theory. Okay? Well, hmm. um, Shaheen, you know, he, he probably yeah, – I don't know. We don't know this. He could have been there in the third or fourth, you sure. know. But uh, uh, Pace pulled the trigger on him. And, and again, it's a developmental – thing too you know i mean uh, your coaches this guy's got to be ready to play and uh he's got to you know your your work because there's a big difference between ashland and the national football league yeah. and uh it just takes developmental time and of course he's had his time he's drafting what 17 so you know he should be popping this year you know but again how are you using you know is he just going to be your blocker is he's going to be a you know, is he going to be a full-service tight end? Because he's a big guy, and, and uh, he, he did catch the ball well at, at one time. So, 
I guess, you know, like you said, you just have to see. You know, James Daniels is another guy. James Daniels is a guy that played uh, the center position at, at Iowa, and you figure, okay, Big Ten, he can play uh, in the National Football League. Just last week, they've decided we're going to move, um, you know, Cody Whitehair back to the center and move Daniels to a guard where he played last year when he first got here. Uh, is that you talked about offensive line? Is that guard center situation really one of the more difficult ones to make the jump, especially if you don't get the practice time like you used to get in the NFL? All right. Well, especially you know when you're ste- you're you're snapping and stepping, yeah. you know, to reach your block. Uh, everybody can't do that, especially when you got a you know 310 pound guy on your nose or on a shade going to knock you back five yards. You know what I mean? So. You've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to step and cut up. I mean, there's a lot of schemes, to be honest with you, that uh, I can't believe, you know, they even run in the National Football League. Well, they say, well, that's one of the base plays. Well, no, it's not. Not if a, you know, defensive tackle can angle in and make a tackle for a one-yard gain or a, or no lo- or a loss, you know. So I think you better change your scheme or throw that play out. But, uh you know, I've seen teams just run plays like that, and it's just, you know, kind of wondering, uh, you know, what's going on. But they they run them anyway. Dan Shanka at Our Lads, just like it sounds, O-U-R-L-A-D-S dot com. We'll find out in a minute before Dan says goodbye on his busy Saturday what's going on these days at Our Lads. Uh, one quickie and then one final, if, if we could, uh, Dan Shanka, uh, development. I want to go back, and you mentioned how the players' union and they don't work out, and the fans, uh, you know, I think most of us know that now or understand a little bit about that. But I look at, for instance, baseball. Uh, The Cubs took eight years. They just finally made a change after eight years of their director of uh, scouting and player development in the draft. He had some nice hits with the first-round pick, but then the Cubs rank in the bottom, uh, you know, 10%. They're down around number 25 out of 30 teams in uh, drafting and developing pitching, which is, you know, pretty important. But finally, eight years. Now, I know how they develop players in the in baseball. You know, you draft them and then you move them up from A to double A, triple A. You got pitching coaches. You got all. But how do you <laughs> or can you develop? Uh, you know, from the Leonard Floyd's to the Trubisky's, even Roquan Smith is uh, you know not what at least I thought he'd be in year two. And there's a million reasons why. But in general, not just the Bears. In general, how do you uh, develop these guys uh, with all the uh, roadblocks you've been talking about with the union? Right. Well, it's it's almost impossible. I mean, some of these guys get together in the summertime and spend time. I mean, it's certainly easier for, you know, a quarterback and receivers and things like that, you know, to get together and do it. But, you know, defensively, I mean, the, the, the only thing, you know, you the thing that would help as much as anything since, you know, the way the union is, yeah. is continuity on the coaching staff. You know, not changing coaching staffs every, you know, like you change your underwear, you know what I mean? Yeah. Have yeah. these guys uh, uh, there and so, show some stability so you can put your system in and let your system help develop these guys because, I mean, it's just common sense that if you're running the same scheme three years, you're in your third year, you're going to be a lot better than the first year uh, with your reads and you're going to be able to, to run and play and not think of what you're supposed to do. And, uh, you know, it, it, that's why it's so important that when you're looking for a, a guy with, 
you know, you want somebody with instincts for at, at linebacker, for instance, somebody that's uh, quick to read and react and, and be able to run. Or you got, you know, you can't give them a whole lot to do because uh. if you do, they're they're thinking instead of playing, and now they're not the athlete that you thought you drafted. Hmm. Last thing, Dan Shaka, our lads. Uh... The Bears fans, obviously, and more so than ever, Fred, the last three, four weeks. What the heck happened in 2017 when they took, you know, Mitch Trubisky? They actually traded up from third slot to the second slot, gave up three lower draft picks. And then fans, and, you know, my gosh, you're looking, there's Patrick Mahomes, went 10th overall, KC, and Watson was, what, 12th overall? 12th, and they both moved up. The Chiefs and Houston both moved up to grab them, too. Now, no one's perfect, not to second guess, but uh, do you recall a couple, three years ago now, what did our lads look at, and uh, how do you uh, evaluate now these three quarterbacks uh, after two or three years? Hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> sure. <Yeah>. Sure. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's what, that's what, uh, but, uh, you know, hey, Mahomes is really, he, remember now, he was the first guy to ever come out, you know, the air raid system uh, smoking. And then keep in mind, too, he did not get thrown in his first year. He sat a whole year under Alex Smith and worked on their offensive scheme, was in practice, and, you know, was a practice squad quarterback, and then working on their offense, uh, you know, when he had the chance and camp and different stuff. So he had a whole year of setting, learning, studying film, all that stuff. You know, Watson, he was a guy that, uh, uh, you know, he wasn't real accurate in college now. I mean, there's certain passes that he absolutely couldn't throw. And, and now he's, he, you know, he's throwing those swing passes. And he, cause he did a lot of horizontal things uh, in college. And he'd go down the field sometimes. But he wasn't a real accurate guy, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, But when you're, you know, he, he he's developed a little bit more accuracy. And then uh, Trubisky was very accurate in college and then he goes backwards you know what i mean people say well he's not accurate well you know what uh, guys don't lose that uh if they, as long as they're practicing what they're supposed to do something something else is wrong hey receivers running wrong routes uh ah. you know um the changing schemes changing uh, pass patterns chase i mean there's so many variables and if you don't have consistency throughout your program you're going to struggle I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's as simple as that because he, he only played one year, you know, in college, and the people knew that. And whereas the other two guys, you know, Watson obviously started for three years, and uh, Mahomes started out there, you know, three years at Texas Tech. And uh, so they had that on-the-field experience, you know, and, and Trubisky never did. So uh, everybody, and it's the worst thing. Fans are the worst, too. At times they want a guy, okay, that's the first round. Okay, he's going to be a – you know, an all-pro, when uh-huh. you walk, that it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Uh, if it does, it's an anomaly that's, uh, you know, uh, a, you know, it's unbelievable. You know, Dan, one last thing for me. Have you, have you seen quarterbacks that were not accurate in college get drafted and improve in their accuracy? Or is that one of those things where if you're not accurate in one spot, you're not going to be accurate in the NFL? Not the same. I, I I believe that if you're not accurate in college, you're not going to be accurate in the NFL. There there can be some improvement, okay. But then you know the, the thing when when I'm looking at accuracy, now I'm looking at ball placement too. Right. You know, right. And not, not just you know if a receiver's got to stop and catch the ball. I mean, to me, that's not being real accurate. You want to hit him in stride, and uh, um, you know you want to be able to run timing routes and, and have that have them wait for the ball right there, and you know that that comes together. 
with consistency of working with your receivers. And, I mean, it's the total package. And, I mean, you look at the NFL and you kind of wonder, you know, what's going on? Okay, let's change this coach. Well, how about keeping a coach? If, you, if he's the wrong coach, you know, you shouldn't have hired him in the first place. Okay, get, get a coach out there and then let him install his program, let him go for five years. And they're not doing it. You got it. It takes, I mean, it takes, uh, you know, a uh, village, you know what I mean? To build yeah. that team. And too, too many people pull the trigger before a guy gets the chance to, uh, for, you know, or a quarterback develop, uh, you know, it's a throwaway society. And now it's into the NFL, these billionaires, you know, they'll throw away, uh, you know, so many good football players out there. And then sometimes it's good to go to another team where they got, you know, they're saying a little bit if there's any around, you know, which is like New England. I think they're really solid. And they, they what they do a great job of putting the player where he can succeed. You know, I mean, Tom Brady's six-round draft choice. You right. know, I mean, we can go on down the line on their deal, but, hey, and how long has Belichick been there? You know what I mean? So, you, you know, you've you got to have consistency. And if you don't, you're, you're, you're always going to be spinning your wheels. Great stuff, Dan. What's going on at OurLads.com? Well, we're really grinding on on the film, and uh, this year is not going to be a great year for quarterbacks. So everybody wants to get rid of your quarterback. Uh, you know, you better pump the brakes a little bit on that deal. There's going to be a, a couple out there that look like they got a chance to uh-huh. do something down the road. But um, you know, I mean, I wouldn't uh, get too excited about that. And some of the other positions, tight ends, not very deep, and you know, receivers. Hey, you want receivers? You better get one this year because man, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> and your famous depth chart. I'm sure you have Bears fullback, uh, running back, Ryan Nall added last week. Anyway, <laughs> that's something that we won't spend any more time on. Dan, great to visit with you. Everyone check out OurLads.com. Always nice to have a sort of off-season visit for a few minutes on his busy Saturday. Thanks a million, Dan Chaka. Appreciate it. You betcha. Okay, thanks, Brad. Thanks, Thanks, man. Bye Bye now. All right. See you later. You know, you look at it, and, um, you know, Ryan Ryan Pace has had some bad drafts. But you look at this past draft Mm -hmm. where he gets David Montgomery, Riley Ridley, who we haven't seen, a receiver that everybody thought would be able to catch the ball, Duke Shelley, where every time he's on the field, he gets a penalty. Uh, Kareth White, a running back, and then Steven Denmark, who we haven't seen at all, and I think he was cut before the season. I mean, last year, at least with Javon Wims and Bilal Nichols, uh, then you had Daniels and Miller. Um, Iggy. Yeah, Igwe Muniway, you got him. God bless you. And guys that can actually play. um, uh, You know, Iggy plays a lot on the special teams, and he's actually come in and filled in at the linebacker position at times. Last year was good. This year, I mean, and I understand, they. you know, you went out and got – you went out and got Khalil Mack, and you had to move some tra- some draft picks because of that. But uh, you know, it would be nice to see a Riley Ridley on the field, and uh, I think we may see that if, in fact, the Bears lose a couple more games. Right now, they're uh, you know you got a four and five record, and you're looking to see if you can get to five hundred. And who knows what happens after that in the National Football you League? You know, this is a game uh, Sunday where it's sort of weird. Both teams. It's a must win. Oh yeah, for it's huge for both teams. Four and five and Which five is and cool. four. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's must win for just one team and the other teams either already well, the Bears are pretty much out of it, but it's still must win for both. Well, it's tough being in the uh, Bears division because in the north you've got the Packers and yeah. the Vikings who are playing so yeah. well. And uh, that was a big win last week against New- uh, against Detroit, and they hung on and got the victory. So now you've got this one, then you got the Giants, and then you got the Lions again. So mm-hmm. if you can go out to Los Angeles and get a win, and then you come back and play the Giants, go to uh, Detroit and, and play, uh, you know, maybe Jeff Driscoll again. Maybe Stafford's still not there. 
um, you know, or uh, you know, on Thanksgiving, who knows what could happen with this team? Well, you look at the rest of the schedule. Other than uh, let's see, Vikings, as you mentioned, and Packers. Everyone else is, uh, you know, around a game or two above or under five hundred, which are all winnable. You mentioned the uh, center position, yeah, uh, with Dan Shanka, and there were at least two snaps that uh, I counted for. Well, at least two that bounced. I was oh, yeah, two say. that bounced. And yeah. in, in fact, I think I got a text from Bear fan Bob during the game. The quarterback's doing aerobics back there, trying to snare the ball. How about the one that went right through his legs? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, come on, and man. Now, here was Nagy uh, press conference. Not sure which one, but here's our buddy Mark Potash asking about, well, wait a minute now. Have you been moving the, uh, there's less shotgun you got the quarterback under center more i wonder if it ties in mark potash mitch has been under center more in the last three games than he was in the first three Mm -hmm. what's the significance of that and how important is it that he becomes comfortable in that situation yeah as far as that you know we were we were pretty heavy last year in the gun uh gun wise and we've always been that way as you're kind of searching and looking for different answers and solutions to the offense some of that became under center and and so we're 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 trying to figure out how much of that do we want to do how much do you know uh the the success that we're having balanced with what we know as well and and trying to you know combine them so there is certainly more of that you know, I was thinking about that on the with the what if. What if they they see they know that uh, Whitehair has trouble snapping to to a shotgun. They sure should know. So yeah. could it be? And you know, I don't know. What if they said, you know what, we're going to be making it. We got to start getting Mitch more under this couple of weeks ago because we know we're going to be soon flip flopping. Right. And put, so maybe they figure we got to get uh, Mitch more under center, less shotgun for in a week or two when we are going to have white hair because we want him delivering the ball right back, not well, a snap. Yeah, one of the bigger things is going to be this week when he's going up against Aaron Donald. Ooh. And so, we'll, you know, we'll see. It's going to be a big game, and hopefully none of those snaps go yeah. over Mitch's head or anything. Let's go to Bear Fan Bob is next. Doing aerobics back there. Good line, Bob. How you doing? Yes, he was. You know, I keep thinking of this. I keep looking up there, you know, from those double nosebleed seats, and it's the same thing. How can this quarterback have any confidence back there when he's looking for the ball all game. In my world, and I don't know about anybody else's, but my world, most of these plays are busted at the point of the snap. He's up, he's down, he's here, he's there. He always has to follow the ball to catch it. It's never consistent. When that happens, everything is out of sync. How does this work? When time, when plays are supposed to be timed, whether it be a running play or a pass play, when that snap is off, Mitchell Trubisky's con- uh, concentration is broke right then. He's not Joe Montana. He hasn't been playing in the league 10 years. You know, he's only been around a couple of years. What do you expect for a kid like this? I think the kid does pretty well. If their Bears are going to beat the Rams, those snaps better be better, and that offensive line better do some better blocking because this is horrible. Otherwise, this game is going to be over very, very quickly, and it will be battle of the bad. Well, let's hope for the best and the Bears get a win so that way they might even be able to sneak in the back door of the playoffs. Those were kind of my thoughts for the day. <laughs> good, hey, good stuff. Now, don't do some aerobics. I'll watch you, and uh, maybe I'll do mine later, okay? 
Cool beans. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks, Thanks Bob. Hey, perfect day to go on out. The sun is shining at Fields Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Glenview. They'll get you a low price and a whole lot more when you're looking for a new vehicle. Some auto dealerships advertise false prices. You get in and you go, hey, where I saw this price advertised. You go, no, 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 we don't have that anymore. Not at Fields. They want to earn your business. They'll never mislead you. Go on over to Fields Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Glenview or visit them online at fieldcjd.com. Murph and Fred going to take a quick break. When we return, going to look at your, in fact, last chance. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Uh, is stealing the catcher's signs in baseball with electronic video technology, is that more unethical than the runner on second? Stealing the catcher's signs with his own damn eyes? Yes? No? Both are ethical, both are unethical, and follow-up. Oh, I like this one. Should MLB allow the home team in baseball to place hidden microphones, hidden high-tech surveillance microphones in the visitor's dugout, hide them, aimed at where the manager is going to be during the game to eavesdrop on opposing managers and coaches and the bench coaches talking strategy. Also, a little assignment. Google up, search right now, Bob Buell. Who? Bob Buell, B-U-H-L. Bob Buell stealing signs. Okay. He was a pitcher back when I was a kid. That's a great story. All that and more. It's ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy. Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Every Saturday, 9 a.m. Hope you're having a good day. So, a lot of chatter this week. I don't think, do we have to reset everything about what happened every, with the Houston Astros? People are up to speed pretty much yeah. on the surveillance. And sure. The, they use a video camera and uh, they right. shot it and uh, they were able to make a noise when there was a changeup coming as opposed to a fastball. So they knew there wasn't the fastball. They laid down the changeup and uh-huh. were able to hit the ball. Or they could lay on the fastball if they knew it wasn't going to be an off speed. Right. Right. Yeah. So I was remembering something happened to me. We had where I grew up in, in LaGrange, I thought we had Little League and then we had Pony League. I, I don't know. I think in Cicero Berwyn, did you guys Little had, League in Babe Ruth. They, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm. It's like seventh or eighth grade with the two years because little league was through the sixth grade, if I recall, and then two years of what we call pony league. Whatever. Yeah, ours but, little league was 10, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, and after you got through twelve, you went right. to the next league. That's yeah. exactly. I think what right. pretty much standard, right? So it's either uh, seventh or eighth grade. So I'm, I'm at bat, and uh, it was great back in those days because no parents came. Uh huh. Yeah. It was. It was the best. None. Yeah. In fact, if your dad or mom showed up... They were a coach. Right. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Or if they showed up with, like, a, a folding a ch- chair. No, they had bleachers by us, yeah, West Cicero. Yeah. But then people go, what's wrong, Mike? What do you mean? How come your dad's here? Your mom? It was like parents didn't come. No. Now you get thrown in jail if you don't show up. Yeah. Oh, you're abusing your... Anyway. How'd you let your kid go to the game by himself? <laughs> anyway, so, you know, I'm up to bat. And just a regular old, uh, you know, ball game. And and uh, Al, Al Verdiak's pitching. I'll never forget. Good buddy of mine, grade school classmate, you know. 
And he had, uh, like we all did back then, he had, you know, mostly threw straight balls, but occasionally had like a nickel curve. Right. Like we all do in seventh grade, you know. So I'm batting, and his uh, older brother was either like the coach of his team or they uh, helped out, you know. So I don't know why. So I'm batting or whatever the count was, and I happened, so we had the third base dugout. I can remember this like yesterday. And I happened to somehow between, I look over, I don't know why, the visiting dugout, which is right there, just a little channeling yeah. fence, you know, like you. And there's his brother, big brother, who's like much older. And his brother's like looking at Al, the right. pitcher. And he does a thing like with your hand, like you're turning a doorknob, yeah. like curveball. Right. And, and I looked over, I'm thinking, what's going on? He's telling, well, he throws a <laughs> the curveball starts over and just a nickel curve like right. we all threw, you know. So he's it's aimed like sort of over the plate and then it's breaking away, not at me and breaking right. away. You know? And and I you know I'm, I'm sort of ready for it because I saw his brother doing the thing with the hand like yeah. you're turning the yeah. doorknob curve. So somehow I just reached out and poked it into right field for a clean base hit. Uh huh. And I hadn't thought of that probably since I was in seventh grade, but it came to me the other day. Was I cheating? Nope. No. No. Any I, advantage you can get, take it. But I didn't, it wasn't, ele- I know where you're going because I heard you this week. Yeah. But it wasn't electronically stolen. I just yeah. used my eyeballs. And so that was okay, right? EO 11. Was that cheating when I saw uh, his brother say, throw curveball? And I hit the curveball uh, oppo for a, a nice little soft base hit. No, I think that's fair play. Okay. I think if that's they don't fair want play. To, if they don't want to cheat yeah. it, they'd come up with a better way of giving signs. Now, there was a guy pitching for the Cubs uh, at the time, the Braves, back when I was getting Bob Buell. I got the whole article right B-U-H-L. here. B-U-H-L. EO 11. Did you put, pull it up, too? There was a little something. Fred's got it. Yeah, I got a little story on it. All right. Well, uh, you guys, uh, Fred and Eric, are back and forth. Tell, what do you guys have there? Well, this was amazing. This thing says, this is like a condensed version because there was like nine different guys uh-huh. in, in the time. And it says yeah. they're Bob Buell and Joey J against right? the Cubs. July 2nd of 1960, two Braves pitchers who were spotted in center field with field glasses attempting to steal cup signs. At Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, they had just pitched the previous day's doubleheader, so they knew they wouldn't see any action. Yeah. They were out in the bleachers right. where they were uh, signing to their teammates using white scorecards. Well... What else do you have? You got, uh, over He's there. got the same one up oh, that I do. All right. Yeah. I did have to admit, I had to look up field glasses. They're binoculars. Yeah. Yes. It's an yeah. old expression. I didn't know that yeah. one. And it says here, a uh, fan eventually noticed them and ran down to the Cubs' bullpen to warn them. The two uh-huh. pitchers were then chased from the bleachers, <laughs> and uh, that was the end of it. Uh, clearly a different time as yeah. this story would have been blown up in today's sports right. landscape and likely would have resulted in suspensions. Now, let the record show they weren't wearing their Milwaukee Braves, now called Atlanta Braves, uniforms. Right, right. They were out there, you know, just dressed casually like you'd go to a ball game. Sure. The story is is correct, but what really happened was they were sitting, if you can picture Wrigley Field, still there in the center fields, the same, the upper, like, bleacher peninsula yeah. triangle, you know, below the old scoreboard. The front row of the upper right. tank was... Right below, right below there, you can read there was a exit light bulb, so like a fire code thing. Yeah. There was like a red light bulb with that metal around it, so like if a batting practice homer hit it, it wouldn't break right. it, you know? Right. So what these guys, again, the starting pitchers for the Braves the previous day, the doubleheader, so they weren't going to play. They were, uh, So they got the binoculars, 
field glasses uh, to you. Uh-huh. They got the binoculars, and they're looking at the Cubs catcher, and they see, okay, puts one figure on fastball. So what they did was, with that scorecard, they leaned over down by their ankles. And covered the... And covered up the red exit light bulb, okay. which is illuminated 24 hours a day right. for safety, fire safety. I don't know how the center field bleachers were going to burn down, but they had the light bulb. Right. So they'd cover that up. Fastball, cover it and don't, whatever, the other way around, whatever, with their little signal. And yeah, some fans saw it. Ran towards where the Cubs bullpen used to be down there. Right, because you can't get from the bleachers to the Cubs bullpen. Correct. Right. But they yelled out, hey, there's two guys. And they, I don't know if they recognized it was the, the two starting pitchers from right. the day before. So it's been going around for forever. But the binoculars, I I sort of have a hard time with that. It's not electronics. No, it's now, not. If you could see with your own eye, I don't, I don't like that. But the man on second base, I love it. But let's see what the fans voted first. Let's bring in uh, EO11. Is stealing the catcher's signals in baseball with an elect- electronic video technology system like Houston is uh, accused of doing, is that worse, more unethical than a runner on second base stealing the catcher's signals with his own eyeballs and then, you know, you touch your left leg, your right leg, you do whatever so that your batter knows what's coming. Is it worse? Yes, it's it's worse because it's electronic is worse. No, they're both uh, equally uh, unethical or both are ethical. I have no idea where this is going. I'm pretty sure I know. Eric? I don't know. You want to bring this from the bottom up to top down? How do you want to do this? Okay, we'll go bottom top. So 3% saying that both just looking from second base or using electronic are ethical. 9% saying both are unethical. Uh Uh, 8% saying no, that stealing the catcher's signal is... Oh, this is confusing. Stealing catcher's signs... Okay, so the electronic is... Unethical, no. 80% saying yes. It's more unethical unethical to be using the video services. Than to use your own eyeballs. Correct. All right. But I know, Fred, you... you, I I didn't care. Yeah, I didn't care. Uh, You you know what? If if someone's stealing the signs with the electronic, uh, you know, by by watching the the video, uh, that's fine. I have no problem with that. You can flash better signals. Yeah. You know, you can change them up every inning. A million ways. Guys on second base, you can do this and you can do that. You can change them up. And, you know what you they know. do now? You can actually change up during a, a pitcher during the inning without, here's what they do. It's called the uh, one strike or the one out. Right. So if, like, it's two balls, one strike, that means one strike, you add one to whatever I give you. Yeah. So if I give you two, that means three. Or the one out system. Yeah. So like there's two out, so if I put down the number three, you add two because there's two out, four or five, or brings it back to one. Any team that just puts down a (laughs) signal and you can tell right away and you catch it on TV sometimes, you'll hear Stone or you'll hear Jim Deshaies say, here's a change up, here's a fastball, they're going to go with the curve here, the slider's coming and stuff like that and they're sitting up in the booth and they're seeing it as well as anybody else would see it. You can often tell. Uh, often you can see that. Yeah. So I don't, you know, and for the most part, they're not watching it on TV because TV usually has a, no, they a got delay. A private secret feed. Right. TV which, has a delay, so they're not watching it on TV. And the rule is in the locker room of the tunnel, you're supposed to have an eight-second delay, but they have their own feed. Right. Let's look at the next follow-up Twitter poll. Should baseball, MLB, allow the home team, Cubs, Sox at home, to use hidden microphone, high-tech surveillance 
they plant it in the visitor's dugout, you know, like James Bond or something. And then you can listen, unbeknownst to the visiting manager, you can hear every word they're talking about for strategy. Yes or no? Should baseball allow that, Eric? That's got to be 95. Yeah, oh, 92% say no. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't know what you would gain from that, to be really honest with you. Well, you'd have to listen. You'd have to have someone listening listening constantly. Oh, they would. They would. And, and okay, listen, I'm going to bring up the left-handed pinch hitter in the next inning if he don't get the righty up. I mean, you can yeah. hear strategy and then counteract it, perhaps. So I'll leave you guys with this. Yes or no? Do you think that the L.A. Rams might ever be listening in to Matt Nagy's signals called in to Trubisky through the helmet. How do we know that no one now or in the future is going to be able to, you know, bust in and listen in the home or wherever road to that signal? You know, all right, we're going to 3890ZX blue on, you know. The, the punishment would be way too much in the NFL. But not in baseball. Well, I don't, yeah, because you have 162 games instead of just 16. So yeah. I think it would be much different. Eric, yeah. do you think it's po- technically possible to uh, eavesdrop into what the, the head coach is barking or the offensive coordinator is barking into uh, the quarterback? I believe, I, I'm sure that they try to put some sort of security on it. Sure. But I believe with the, the amount of technology that's out there, I'm sure that someone could hack into that and listen. I, I can guys, see that happening. Yeah, some yeah. guy's sitting in the front row and he can tell you every every play that Matt Nagy's going to have. For the most part, uh-huh. it's just going to be a pass to Allen Robinson because so that's what he calls all the things. <laughs> nice. So it's got to be in code. Like screen pass means throw the bomb. You know. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> has he thrown any all year long? Not enough. And connected? Uh-huh. Uh, Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview. You will get a low price, a whole lot more. Some auto dealerships advertise false prices. Not there. Not at Fields. At Fields, they want to earn your business, and they will never mislead you. Go on over, check out a uh, Jeep Cherokee or a Compass today, or the Big Gladiator. You'll love this for the the weather that's coming, or the weather that was last week. Uh-huh. Go on over to Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview, or visit them at Field, cjd.com. ESPN 1000. We never got to this uh, poll question. Who will Eddie Pinheiro be kicking for in 2020? A, the Bears. B, an NFL team. C, no one. Oh, are you saying there that the Bears are not an NFL team? <laughs> they won't be in the NFL next year. Maybe I did and didn't realize it. Uh, I'm voting no one. He won't be in the NFL next year. I have a funny feeling I'm out of step Charles. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, I, I, think he'll be, uh, I think he'll still be here. You got uh, A with the Bears? Yeah. I got C. Won't be in the league. Uh, if I have to go through another offseason oh, of no. talking about kickers. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. It was, it was amazing. Everybody kept saying, well, that's a story. We got to talk about it. No, you don't. We don't have to talk about a bunch of kicker battles. But the big beer company can sponsor over in the West Loop. Uh, 50 guys out there kicking in the ice and falling on their rear end. That's fine. <laughs> but I don't want to hear about all the kickers they bring in. When they decide on a kicker, then let us know who it is. I don't care. <laughs> One day after another. Well, the story today is the kicker. No, the story's never the kicker until he kicks in a regular season game. So, in other words, you couldn't. Could care not care less. less. Could not care less. What the fans do? The fans care what they say, Eric. Seventeen percent saying that he'll be kicking for no team. 
24% saying he'd be kicking for another team and 60% saying he'd be kicking for the Bears. There you go. Wow. He'll be your kicker next year. Fred, I did so a little So we don't ever have to worry about it. During the week, uh, jotted down, I did a little uh, analysis, if you will, very little, uh, of the three extra points that Pinero uh, efforted Sunday. He made the first one, missed the second one, made the third one. That's just a small sample, but it was sort of interesting. The first extra point, uh, put the Bears up 7-6 in the second quarter. And uh, the center, the long snapper, lined up right in the middle of the field. Smack dab in the middle. And uh, I used to like that radio station, WSDM. Remember smack dab, smack in, the dab in the middle? Yeah, yeah. In Chicago. And uh, Pinero lined up right in the middle, snapped it back, and it was good. But barely. What? The ball drifted which way, Fred? It drifted, drifted left. To his left. Yeah. And just barely stayed inside. Uh, good for the extra point. Now it gets interesting. In the third quarter, the nine-yard TD to Tariq Cohen, and uh, the Bears are now up 13-6, and Pinero's going to line up for that extra point. He's going to miss it. But the center, look look where the center long snapper yep. moved. Yep, moved over to the hash. The right hash, yep. maybe because he drifted left and he wanted to. So, and he stood, of course, right hash. And what happened? And this is yeah, the one. Yeah, and, and he pushed it right. Yeah, now if he'd have been in the middle, you know, yeah, one if, could right. have been good. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't always kick in the middle. And then the third one, he went back, uh, same spot and made it. But that one point could have really been huge. In fact, here was uh, in the last minute, uh, Ian uh, Eagle and the guy. Ian, thank you. Yeah. Remember, Eddie Pinheiro missed an extra point. First one he's missed this season. reason why we're in a seven-point game right now with 42 seconds to go. So it was a seven-point game, yep. and uh, had there been a touchdown, it would have either been a tie or they would have gone for two. And yeah, there almost miss. was. I know. Yeah, they gained, do you know, after they scored their 20 points, they only gained 36 yards the rest of the game. And <laughs> I'm not sure if that was Ryan Pace saying, listen, yeah. we're up by 14, let's not turn the ball over, let's just run our three and outs and go or if it was just bad, you know, uh, just bad performance in, you know, on the uh, plays they called. Because I just got a feeling he figured out, we're up 14, let's get this win, and let's not take any chances. And because of that, they barely, they almost lost. So, Fred, you're the football guy. The uh, ankle tweaked, bad or not, we don't know. David Montgomery, his the key ability he has is breaking tackles, yards after contact. Wouldn't that seem to be like the ankle's pretty key yeah. to do that? Again, I, I think the Nagy kicked him this week because ah. this way Nagy doesn't have to run the ball at all. <laughs> this way he won't run uh. the ball at all. You know, or with null. He'll run the ball either not at all or with null. When there it comes to verse, you're the worst. Yeah, well, Benetti can steal that if he'd thank like. Thank our guests, Jesse Rogers, Dan Shaga, and our lads, Murph and Fredson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. And see you later, everybody.